You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks supporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And not joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank is doing some travel for work today, uh, so he is not able to join me. So I'm joined by, I guess ironically enough, my travel partner for the week, Kane Pittman of the Pick and Roll, your favorite Australian. Uh, your regular guest here now on Lockdown Bucks. Kane, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. Back-to-back. Indeed. Back-to-back. You're you're really uh, putting up the numbers now. Yeah. Really uh, coming through. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about that. We've had a, we've had a busy couple of days of travel, but uh, I think it was worth it in the end going to that game. Yeah, I mean, man, I, I'm trying to... Th- I, I, don't, I don't know how to properly contextualize that game because i i'm not gonna say that's the best win of the season because you know they've had some good ones obviously you beat the warriors on the road that's a good one you beat the nuggets on the road that's a good one as well um but you know maybe one that i'm not sure one has felt sweeter for the bucks than that one because they end up pulling out a 106 97 victory over the Indiana Pacers and this is a Pacers team that beat them the last time they were in in Indianapolis and you know just made Giannis generally look human for a night it's not often that it happens but he certainly looked human that night and you know they were able to stifle him they were able to make him work for his points and you know he only has 12 points on the game and I just remember after after that game, I heard in the press room from some of the the Pacers writers, uh, oh, yeah, you know, Thad Young was just great, and uh, Nate McMillan was praising Thad Young's defense on, on Giannis, and, you know, the whole locker room was talking about how Thad Young was able to stop Giannis tonight. And I just remember thinking to myself at that time, I know one guy on the planet that does not like to hear about this guy stopped Giannis, and that is Giannis. He does not believe that's a thing. He does not believe anyone on earth. It doesn't matter what defender you're looking at. It doesn't matter if it's Rudy Gobert. It doesn't matter if it's Draymond Green. It doesn't matter if it's Kevin Durant. It doesn't matter if it's Kawhi Leonard. It doesn't matter if it's LeBron James. It does not matter who it is. He does not believe any one defender can stop him. He believes that to stop him, you're going to need a whole team. You're going to have to load up. And I just remember thinking, huh, that's not going to go well for the Pacers next time. And I think, and again, I, I don't know this. Giannis didn't confirm any of this to, uh, to us after the game. But 
I would guess Giannis saw those press clippings. I would guess Giannis heard that quote. And I would guess Giannis read what was said about Thaddeus Young and how he was able to defend Giannis because Giannis came out and essentially said, no, guys, that's not how this works. In the first quarter, he already matched his point total. He added two steals to it. He added a block to it. He added some rebounds to it. He added some assists to it. After one quarter, he was dominant. And it, to me, it was him very much saying, all right, guys, that that's cute that you think Thaddeus Young can do this, but it's not the truth. Yeah, I mean, that first quarter was incredible. I, I think he I think the, he had 13-6, 4-2-1. And... <laughs> and it was so obvious to everyone watching that game that he had the ball and he it was like he made direct eye contact with Thad Young and he's like, okay, he's like, I don't care whether I get assist, I don't care whether I score, I don't care what's happening, but I'm going to make you pay. <laughs> and it, it, it was incredible to watch. And uh, it, it was the game quickly changed in the second quarter, but that, that first quarter on its own was... I mean, you watched that and you knew that he was out there making a statement and it was it was something pretty special to watch. And, and we've seen him do this a lot with younger guys in the past. He gets a young a young guy matched up on him. He's like, all right, I'm just going to show you that you are not close to my level. But it's rare that he gets a chance to go up against a guy that, that's played him well. So uh, he, he doesn't like that. Like you said, he doesn't like being questioned that uh, whether, you know, someone might have his measure. So... Uh, I don't think any of us were really surprised to see the reaction, but the the way that it started, I mean, I I just don't, I don't think we've seen a better. I don't know. Have we seen a better quarter from Giannis this year? I mean, he's done some pretty ridiculous stuff, but that was that was insane. It it, it was absolutely insane. He just dominated the game, and I, I mean, ironically enough, the only quarter that I think you're thinking about, I shouldn't say the only quarter, but ironically enough, the fourth quarter that he had tonight probably looks something like the first quarter where he was just everywhere just total imprint on the game and and we'll get to the comeback here in a little bit but i want to read this quote uh that Giannis had to uh an indie star reporter who asked him uh i'm trying to get did you enjoy your matchup with thad young around here in indiana there were some games where he had some good games against you got a reputation as a guy who could slow you down and again, I first I would encourage you to go over to Bucks.com or go over to the Bucks Twitter feed and and watch the look on Giannis's face when he hears that question. Because this is his quote. Oh come on, man. Thaddeus Young, he's a great guy, first of all. Amazing player, amazing teammate, plays hard. At the end of the day, I'm not trying to sound arrogant and cocky because that's not who I am. But I don't think there's one guy that can stop me. It's got to be a whole team effort. They've got to load. They've got to double team me. When I get to the paint, three guys swarm me. That's the only way. They've got to all work together to stop me from making plays, not getting points for making plays. But he's a great defensive guy. Which, <laughs> um, there's an episode of It's Always Sunny that I think about where Charlie learns how to patronize people. And... He just keeps patronizing everyone. And to me, at the end of that, Thad Young has to be listening to that quote and go, is he patronizing me right now? Is he patronizing me? Because, yes, he is patronizing you. He does not believe you are a good defender. Or I shouldn't say he doesn't believe you're a good defender. He might believe you're a good defender. But you are not a defender of the quality that could stop him. 
That's just not what he thinks. That's not how he thinks. That's just not how it goes with Giannis. He does not believe that. And, you know, I thought that that quote was was fantastic. And, you know, I think it speaks to the fourth quarter that the Bucks have. Because in that game, uh, it it got bad. You know, after that first quarter where he dominates, second quarter is about even, 29-29. Uh, Bucks go into the half up eight. And in the third quarter, the Pacers come out, led by Darren Collison, and just go on a huge run and kind of take it to the Bucks. And uh, going into the fourth quarter, the the Bucks are down. They're trying to figure out exactly what they're going to do in the fourth quarter. And, you know, I just thought that third quarter was so strange because so often this year, Eric Bledsoe has grabbed every guard in the league and said, you know what? It's not going to be your night. It's just not going to happen. I'm sorry. I'm going to defend you too well. I'm going to make you work too hard. You're not going to play well tonight. And of all people, of all the people in the league, Darren Collison cooked him in the third quarter. Just straight up did whatever he wanted. And it got to a point where Bud had to take him out and put Sterling Brown on Darren Collison. And Collison didn't really slow down. He, he was still making plays. And it, it was just such a strange sight to see that, you know, in the end, Bud had to not play Bledsoe in the fourth quarter. Uh, and I, I, it, was just, it, it was just really a strange sight. So, you know, if you're telling the story of this game, I think you, you start with that first quarter from Giannis. Then you go to the second quarter where they play about even. But, you know, I don't think that's all that unusual that, you know, the Bucks come out strong. Then all of a sudden they're playing with their food a little bit and it's kind of close and then you come out in the third quarter and the third quarter is a quarter the Bucks have dominated the entire year and instead of dominating Darren Collison takes over the game and the Pacers really take it to the Bucks. yeah I, I just first of all on Bledsoe I didn't I didn't think we should really I mean it was such a such a weird performance by him but I, I don't think we should gloss over the fact that he only played 21 minutes yep and and Bud did not want to play him in the fourth quarter because that that stretch in the third quarter was bad. And not only was his defense not where you normally would expect, he only took four shots. He wasn't even he wasn't influencing the game on the other end either. So uh, it was a weird performance by Bledsoe, and I, and I feel like it, particularly defensively, every time he's come up against a big name, it's like he steeled himself for that matchup. Is Darren Collison not a big enough matchup for him on the eve of the All Star break? Was he just not? Did he not? I don't know. I don't want to say he didn't respect Collison, but was he just like I can probably sleepwalk through this one and, and do what I, I? I don't know. It was it was a really weird night for for Bledsoe. Yeah, I thought I thought it was just a. I mean, it was a total no show. Yeah, I, I get for calling it what it was. Like it, he just did not show up for this game. He he did not come ready to play. And you know, I I forgot when Frank and I talked about this, but you know, there was that kind of stretch where I don't want to say Bledsoe was had disappeared. Bless was kind of quiet, where he wasn't taking a lot of shots, and he wasn't being overly aggressive, and, you know, I, I kept kind of mentioning the fact that this Bucks team is at its best when Bledsoe is really cooking. We mentioned it literally in last night's podcast. We talked about that, about that Bulls game, where he was hitting threes, and that's really what gets the Bucks going, and, you know, for him to take four shots in a game, like, that's just, to me, it's not acceptable. Like, he is so much a part of what they do that, you know, I, I understand that it doesn't really stand out because he's out there playing and it's not that he's missing shots, but as I was telling Frank, you know, a couple months back when he was kind of in that patch where he wasn't shooting a lot, 
him not being aggressive totally changes the way that things go for this Bucks team because he so often is someone that can find a mismatch that so often can find a way to get to the rack, take advantage of something, get something going. Like he is part of the catalyst of that offense. And when he's not playing aggressively, things don't move as well. Tougher, they end up taking tougher shots. Like things just don't work quite the same. And yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, yeah, I don't think you can really gloss over the fact that he scored four points. He was one for four. And uh, what has been a constant for most of the year, him playing great defense was not there either. Yeah, and, and of those four shots, two of them are threes as well. So this yeah. is a guy that, I mean, I, I I checked the numbers a couple of days ago. He's up around 70% in the restricted area. Like, he is he's beyond elite. Like, he is, he's better than elite in the restricted area. When he's attacking, he's almost impossible to stop. And he just didn't even, he, he, I mean, he wasn't really, it didn't look like he had the intent to, to do that tonight. And it was weird because I, I felt like the second and third quarter, I felt like we were back in the same seats that we were in earlier in the season because the Bucks <laughs> yeah. just couldn't get anything going offensively. The, the paces were being super, uh, um, super physical on defense, and the Bucks just couldn't get to their spots where they wanted to. Again, they couldn't hit threes, and there was some hesitation even on, on open threes. So the Bucks sort of went to water a little bit there on offense, and he's a guy that you expect that, okay... Uh, I know that I'm stronger than Darren Collison. I'm going to get into the paint. I'm going to get some points. I'm going to get to the free throw line. And everything just stagnated for a while there. And at the same time, the Pacers started hitting threes. And the game got away from the Bucks for a bit there. It I did. mean, they were, in the, they were in some real trouble. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of saw Collison get loose. And then all of a sudden, the Pacers just got loose. And all of a sudden, they take a lead and... Uh, for, in many ways, the Bucks were searching for answers, and Bud said as much in his post game that you know they got to that third quarter and they're just like, "What what are we gonna do here? Like, how are we gonna get something going?" And to his credit, George Hill came in and was monstrous. He was just absolutely huge. And in that third quarter, he has a big end one. He has two more layups. He goes for seven quick points at the end of the third quarter, and it largely kept the bucks afloat like there uh, to me it it could have got away from them there like if if it kept going the way it was going they weren't hitting shots and they were so cold that they were in a spot where guys didn't seem to want to take shots so it was just kind of trying to attack the basket over and over again and as you mentioned the pacers play defense so physically that if you're not shooting those from deep and you're trying to attack them well, they're already so incredibly physical that it's just not going to work. Like, you're playing right into their hands, and I thought that's what they were doing, but George Hill is able to power through, get a couple baskets, keep it close, and, you know, going into the fourth quarter, you're thinking, okay, Bucks, Bucks got this, down 79-76, they can, they can be right there, and all of a sudden, it's a quick 7-0 run from the Pacers, they go up 86-76, and Bud takes a timeout, 86-76, 9-35 left, and in that moment, it felt like, like you said, the last time we, we were in Indiana in those seats watching the Bucks flail offensively as they weren't hitting threes and weren't attacking and the Pacers were able to put up a wall against Giannis and, you know, things just weren't really clicking and you thought, okay, this could get away from the Bucks really easily here. Yeah, I mean, that, that time out, <laughs> it, 
they had to resp- there was no other way they could get around that other than responding right then and there because that arena was loud mm-hmm. the paces were really feeling themselves at that point and you know if you let that lead get any greater than 10 with nine minutes left when you're struggling to score at all then uh you know you, you're going to be in some real trouble so um the response out of that timeout to come out and they started to they well first of all on offense they scored that first bucket and they got into the paint and Giannis found his way in and got an easy layup and then to to get the score straight out of the timeout helps but then uh, I know you you probably want to talk about it the they the guys that they had out on the floor it was <laughs> it was it was interesting yeah I, I, I don't mean, know if that's I don't know if that's a strong enough word Interesting is uh, maybe not strong enough. Shocking is probably a little bit more accurate, but you know the Bucks come out with a lineup there, eighty six. So eighty six seventy six. Looking at let's see. So like I said, nine thirty five left, and Brooke Lopez comes in for Eric Bledsoe. Middleton re-enters for Tony Snell, and Middleton at the time was ice cold. He was two of twelve at that point. Uh, just couldn't get anything to fall. Had you know, I think probably turned down a couple threes that he normally doesn't do, and had missed a couple threes, and you know, just wasn't really affecting the game in much of the same way that Eric Bledsoe was. But all of a sudden, you have a lineup out there of Brook Lopez, Ersan Ilyasova, Giannis, Chris, and Malcolm Brogdon, and out of out of desperation, out of uh, ingenuity, whatever you might want to call it, out of uh, just a a stroke of maybe luck, I don't know, maybe a stroke of genius, I'm not sure what you want to call it, the Bucks decide with the jumbo lineup, which we haven't seen in a while. We haven't seen Brooke and Ersan and Giannis, uh, that threesome, and then really you're getting even bigger because you add Malcolm into it and you add Chris into it and you take Bledsoe off the floor. With a jumbo lineup, the Bucks say, we're going to switch everything. We are going to switch everything. And I told Bud after the game, you could have given me 10 guesses, and I would not have guessed that your fourth quarter switch everything lineup would be those five guys. Because it's crazy. Because when they go to that big lineup, you're going to try to play big basketball. You're going to try to drop those guys back. And instead, they switch everything, and it shook up the Pacers. They just didn't really know how to react and i shouldn't say they didn't know how to react they reacted in a way that sort of played into the bucks hands when you look at this pacers team obviously uh you got a guy like bogdanovich you want him coming off the you want him coming off screens shooting threes uh you got a guy like doug mcdermott you want the same thing that young you want him shooting pull-ups uh you have a, a bunch of guys that are much better off the catch much better uh off some movement in not guys that you want attacking off the dribble, and instead, what they did, what I mean, what the Bucks did was essentially grab some paint and put a big target on Brook Lopez's chest and said, "All right, this is where you're coming, right here. You you wanna you wanna come at you you wanna come at this guy. That's what you're gonna have to do. You're gonna have to find a way to beat Brook Lopez off the dribble, and that sounds like a very easy task." He's a mountain of a man. He is seven foot one, two hundred. I don't even know how many pounds they say he is. He is huge, 
And we've seen people cook Brook Lopez off the dribble. That that's a thing that has happened this year. That if he gets overextended, guys just get a blow by, and that's exactly how it goes. And you thought that's, or certainly the Pacers thought that's what they were going to do. They were going to get him in isolation, and then they were going to let someone beat him off the dribble. And to Brook Lopez's, uh, to Brook Lopez's credit, I'm still not really sure how he did it, but. He he picked those size 20s up, and he put them back down, and he picked them up, and he put them back down, and he got those feet firing. And for the most part, he stayed in front of guys. Bogdanovich got a layup against him. I, I think um, maybe Tyreek Evans got one on him. But for the most part, it turned into the Pacers targeting Brook Lopez in simply not being able to get by him. And it it turned every uh, – all the Pacers did was say, okay, we're going to beat Brook Lopez off the dribble. And – that isn't their offense. That's not how they do things. That's not how they tend to play. That's not playing to their strengths, and it totally worked for the Bucks. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure, and and I'm not sure how how effective this lineup is going to be moving forward, or if Bud will ever go back to it. But tonight it worked because I think the Pacers were rattled by it. Because yep. it, you spoke about Lopez, how and and look. You got to give him credit. I, I think all season he's shown that his feet are a, a little bit quicker than you probably thought they were, and yep. he and he's moving a little bit better than I certainly expected him to defensively. But he got caught on Collison a couple of times, and I'm thinking, okay, well, <laughs> I mean, Collison's is is going to blow by Lopez, and a couple of times he did. But then you have obviously Giannis and Ersan behind Lopez, and then the other two guys that are going to be trying to cover the three, Middleton and Brogdon, which is super long. And a couple of times, the Pacers just threw the ball into the Bucks players' arms, and yeah. they panicked, and they seen the big bodies, and they didn't know what to do. It was, it was. Uh, I mean, I, I, I feel like Bud was just. He says it sometimes. He was just throwing something at the wall and see if it stuck. And tonight, it really stuck. But it was so interesting because I know me and you were talking on the way to the game about the whole DJ Wilson Ersan yep. uh, matchup and uh, not matchup, but the minutes and, and how that's going to go with Miritich. Uh, DJ Wilson again plays really, really low minutes, only nine minutes. And we were both speaking, and you certainly said that the point of difference with DJ is the ability that he can switch and he'll be out there in defense. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. three hours later, Ersan was uh, a key <laughs> instigator in the defense. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's it's incredible. And, and uh, you know, I mean, those two guys, unlikely heroes, I guess, in the defense that, that fueled a, a, a massive comeback. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's, I, I still, really, I truly can't believe it. Like I said, <laughs> I, 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 and you were there. I told Bud to his face, I can't believe that lineup. It was the one that you picked to switch everything because it's been rare for the Bucks to switch everything, and you know it just really worked. He credited his assistant coaches who've been pushing him to try some more switch everything lineups, and they said we got to do it even in lineups including Brooke. Like we have to find a way to start doing that and start working on it uh, to get ready for the playoffs. And, you know, Brooke really showed it off there. And then, you know, I think kind of the other way that you want to go is the offense. When you look at the end of this game, the Bucks close this game. They're down 86-76 with 9.35 left. They close it with a 30-11 to run and win 106-97 against one of the best defensive teams in the league. A team on a six-game win streak. And again, they might have got bloated against bad teams, but still a team with a six-game win streak. A place that they haven't played well. 
a team that they haven't played well against. And they just went to work and found a way to pull out this game. And, you know, I think we talked about the defense, but moving to the offensive end, they go down 86-76, and all of a sudden the Bucks go, Giannis gets a two-foot bucket, Middleton on the assist. You have Evans with a missed pull-up three, because, again, switching, struggling with it. Malcolm Brogdon gets a bucket. Then Thaddeus Young makes a layup. But then Middleton gets into the middle of the lane, backs the guy down, little uh, turnaround fadeaway jumper. That goes in. Then the Pacers miss again. And then get their uh, an offense rebound, but miss again. Giannis gets the rebound. Chris gets it in semi-transition. He gets himself uh, a driving layup plus the foul. Uh, and all of a sudden... You're at 84-88, and you add the free throw, 85-88, and in relatively short order, you've chopped down that lead to just three, and from there, the Bucks just kind of kept going. Giannis started to get loose a little bit. Ursan uh, gets totally lost underneath, and Malcolm Brogdon find him, finds him for a layup. Uh, then Malcolm Brogdon gets his own two on an assist from Giannis, and the all of a sudden these two teams start exchanging dunks or start exchanging punches and you know i call on on twitter i call this a a a shack sequence but you see this just incredible kind of possession from Giannis where ursa misses the layup and Giannis has a chance to tip it in on the left side uh in the air he tries a layup off glass doesn't go in he goes up, gets his own rebound, then he goes in for another one, and it is just one of those Shaq sequences where he pivots and he just hammers it home. And there's literally not a way to describe it other than a Shaq sequence. That's what it is. That's what it was. And again, I understand what that means saying that he's Shaq, but that's that's the best I can do. Because there's just not people that make that make shots like that, and then you just keep going down the down the list, and you have another nine footer that Giannis hits. Uh, you have him going. That one was like a fadeaway hook shot back down Thaddeus Young. Like I'm better than you. My team is gonna win this. I'm going to will my team to a victory. Hook shot. And they just keep going from there. All of a sudden, it's uh, Ursan gets lost underneath. Giannis whips a one-handed pass down there for a layup, 97-95. Then the Bucks get another rebound. Giannis pushes off the break. And, you know, we had where we sit in Indiana, we sit on the second level, the front of the second level, uh, behind the Bucks bench. And we have this kind of angle from the corner down to the floor. And I... I I told you after the game, I thought it was the perfect angle to see this play unfold because you see Giannis go up for that rebound. He grabs it, and Middleton is one of the two guys out front, and Middleton breaks it down the floor, goes to the right corner, and you know, watching the play, Giannis didn't want to score. He, he did not have scoring on his mind. The only thing he had on his mind, and this is the level of playmaker that he is now, the only thing he had on his mind was, 
I need to occupy these group, this group of defenders so that I can whip a pass with my right hand to the right-hand corner for Chris Middleton to hit this three and close out this game. And that was saying something because Chris Middleton had started 2-for-12. Obviously, he had those two shots in the run that cut it down from 86-76. Uh, so, you know, maybe he was feeling a little bit more, but I think it would be pretty hard to shake Middleton struggling the way that he did in the first three quarters. And then all of a sudden, Giannis occupies 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 whips it to that corner middleton three 195 and all of a sudden it's the bucks game like it's over at that point it's over the next possession Giannis gets it again goes right through miles turner's chest again that's a center uh and it doesn't matter he goes right through his chest turner has to follow he adds two free throws he adds two more free throws 104 95 bogdanovich gets a garbage bucket the bucks get uh one free throw for Malcolm Brogdon on a drive and close it out 105, or excuse me, yeah, 106 97 because Ersan uh, goes one of two from the free throw line. And, you know, like that was that was the MVP of the league asserting his will and saying, We are not freaking losing this game. I will not have it any other way. And just flat out taking over and manipulating everyone on the floor to his will. Yeah, 30, 38 minutes tonight, which is probably uh, more than... Well, definitely more than he's played on, on most nights and more than he's had to play on most nights. But uh, you touched on his uh, on his passing ability now, and he's become, uh, really, as the season's gone on, and it, it's getting better and better the more we watch him, but he's become surgical with the way that yep. he understands how his movements control everyone else on the floor. And... I mean, I'm sure this is something that's been developing over the years, and we've seen him get better as a passer, but certainly what he understands now is that the system is so simple for him to know where everyone is going to be. So when he gets the rebound and he brings the ball up the floor, he knows what attention he brings to himself. And not only does he know that, as soon as he gets the rebound, he knows where Chris Middleton's going to be in the corner. He's like, okay, I already know Chris is going to be there, so how do I manipulate everyone else on the floor to get him an open three? And his basketball IQ and the way that that is getting better—I mean, it's the, how quickly that is getting better and better as we are watching him through the season—is ridiculous. And uh, you know, eight assists the other night. He has another eleven tonight. He he might be well, not might be. He is he is in the best uh, probably form of his career in terms yes. of understanding the game and just controlling it because he he you know, but Thad Young was defeated in the first five minutes of this game tonight and Giannis could have probably been forgiven for trying to uh, force the issue with the Bucks down late but he didn't do that and by him not doing that and understanding how to work that defense the Bucks were able to get easy points uh, and and really go on that run man uh, it's just for me thinking about where he was at the start of this season and you know, I remember it as vividly as as I possibly can. You know, the Bucks are, let's see, six and zero at the time. He gets concussed against the Magic. They go seven and zero, and then um, talking to him after that game, I just remember him telling me how uncomfortable he was, how he didn't feel like he knew where his spots were. He didn't know exactly how he should attack. He wasn't comfortable just getting the ball and in random places. He wasn't comfortable with that. And obviously I wrote an article about that at the athletic and, you know, 
I talked about it with him some more as the season went on, and it's just crazy to think that at any point this season he felt that way because he looks so damn comfortable where he is now, and he looks so comfortable manipulating defenses. He looks so comfortable moving the chess pieces on the floor, and that's something that he's flirted with over the years. He's he's started to... You know, in the past, try to kind of learn some of that, and obviously Jason Kidd always tried to, you know, put him on that, on that left wing, and then he'd back down with his right hand, and then he could look over his left shoulder and throw passes, and you know, we can all imagine those sequences, and that was great, but it was very simplistic, and it made him operate in tight spaces, and now Mike Boonholzer's opened up all of the floor. There's so much space, and. He had to learn how to deal with randomness. He had to learn how to deal with, okay, I'm gonna get a, I'm just gonna get a touch here, and I have to know where everyone is. But now he is sort of starting to understand that, and I say sort of because I don't think he's there yet. Like I don't think he's totally, a hundred percent sure where all of his looks are gonna come from. I don't think he understands exactly where everyone's gonna be on the floor and how to manipulate everyone quite yet. But he's getting better and better at it, and you know you just see some of the passes he throws and. Nate McMillan said it in in the pregame, but there's one guy that plays like that. It's LeBron James. That that's that's the level of playmaking we're talking about. And you know, to me, that was kind of what we were looking at at this virtuoso performance tonight. Where when he needed to put it on someone's head, he put it on someone's head. And when he needed to make a play, he made a play. And he left the defense guessing throughout all of that as they tried to figure out. What's he going to do this time? Like, we're, we're going to put a wall up and we're going to stop him from dunking and he'll just say, okay, that's fine. I'm going to go kick it to the corner. And at, at times it was frustrating for the Bucks because they weren't making shots, but when they needed them, they hit some big shots and they really made really made the Pacers uncomfortable in the end. The 30-11 run in the final nine minutes is crazy. Yeah, you you mentioned, <laughs> I mean, you mentioned LeBron in in terms of Giannis and 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 what Nate McMillan said before the game. But, uh, I mean, you see it now. Mm-hmm. Like you see Giannis do stuff, and he's done. He's he started doing this a lot more recently. But there was another one tonight, and it was uh, he passed the ball to Tony Snell, and Tony Snell missed the three. <laughs> yes, but thank you. That I was thinking of that exactly. But he's nailed down this move now where he knows. And we, we all talk about the blue squares or whatever. So he knows where the guys are going to be. And so Tony Snell's on the, on the far wing. He makes his move to the left, shifts everyone. And as soon as he makes his move to the left, he lasers this look away, like backhanded. Yep. I mean, any, any player that I've ever seen do that in, in, in the last 10 years is LeBron. I mean, no one else does that. And Giannis, is, over the course of the last month or two, he is doing that at least once again. It's it's essentially like, you know, I think I tried to describe it to Frank earlier this year and we talked about it a little bit, but, you know, it's a, it's skipping a step in the extra pass connection, like where yeah. you, you draw it over and then you kick it to the wing and then the wing kicks to the corner and he just skips the guy on the wing, throws it essentially off, off the back of the help defender that's taking the wing guy away yeah. and right through the defense. And Bud mentioned it today when, you know, I asked him a little bit about it. He's like, the velocity, that's the thing, oh, is that guys just don't throw passes like that. Guys don't throw passes through traffic like that. And, you know, he, he's just dominating games. And, um, man, I, 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 
I don't know if I've ever been more impressed with the Giannis performance on the one tonight. 33 points, 19 rebounds, 11 assists, 2 steals, 1 block. And I tweeted it during the game, but he gets credit for 1 block. I think if you look at shots he's affected, I don't, I don't even know how you try to figure it out because there's one play that stood out to me where Thaddeus Young gets it underneath the basket, a shot he's finished, I don't know, <laughs> a, a thousands of times, maybe a million times. Uh, like He's done it thousands and thousands of times where he catches underneath the basket, he's able to use the glass, he's able to use the rim. He sees Giannis coming from the other side, and he throws up, I don't even know what it was. It, it was an attempt to get it up on the glass quick, quick. It was an attempt to try to put it high on the glass. It was an attempt to use the rim as a way to block Giannis off. And it's not close. And Giannis didn't touch it. No. Giannis, I don't even know by the end of it if Giannis was a, within a foot of him. And it was total fear. Yeah. It was total intimidation. It was, good God, Giannis is close. I don't know what to do. And... That's just kind of where he's at right now. So uh, I got to say, you know, I, it's difficult to be more impressed with what Giannis has done. And, um, yeah, just crazy stuff. All right, other things from the game. We talked about George Hill, Ersan Ilyasova, huge 11 points, 4 of 7, shooting 2 of 3 from the three-point line. Thought he had some huge minutes. Obviously, he was a part of that switching lineup at the end that kind of closed it down. 23 big minutes for him. Uh, we mentioned Bledsoe not being so good. Brogdon was solid, 17 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. Um, Brooke Lopez, not the best night. 3 of 11 from the field, 3 of 10 from the three-point line. But 3 steals in just incredible defense during that switching portion stuff that I just don't think you'd ever really, really ever think you'd see from Brooke Lopez. So I don't want to say player of the game because Giannis is very clearly that, but, you know, impact of the game might have been Brooke Lopez being being able to be a part of that lineup. And then um, Chris Middleton, I thought, bad through the first three quarters, two of 12 from the field. And Bucks fans, I I just want you to know, you've (laughs) you've made it very clear to me that you don't think Chris Middleton is worth whatever money it is. And that's totally fine. That's not going to change. The other thing that's not going to change, the Pacers would love to give him a max this summer. And other teams would love to give him a max. And if you don't believe me, that's fine. You all think I'm the president of the Chris Middleton fan club, and that's totally fine. I've obviously defended him for years. But if you want to, go listen to Bobby Marks. That's fine. Uh, Jeff Zilgit was on 105.7 FM The Fan uh, just last week. And you know what he said? Oh, Chris Middleton's going to get a max. You want to listen to Zach Lowe? Seems like a pretty knowledgeable guy. He said the same thing. The Indiana Pacers are sniffing around Chris Middleton. So you you can you can say that I'm a homer, I'm you know the president of the fan club, whatever it is. That's totally fine. I understand you not liking him is never going to change. And the other thing that's never going to change is that he's going to get paid this summer. So it, it doesn't really matter to me. You guys can tweet that whenever you want and i will tell you when he's playing bad just like i did tonight when he was two of 12 from the field and he's having a bad night and just like i did at the start of the second half when i thought he was totally lost on bogdan bogdanovich which he does often strangely he defends good players better than bogdanovich and he just struggles uh (laughs) against him so again we can do this every night that's totally fine with me but it got awfully quiet in the fourth quarter I mean, uh, that's that's all you really need to you need to say. Uh, first three quarters, probably not a max player. 
but what do Max players do in the fourth quarter? <laughs> they win your games. And he, he assisted the first Giannis uh, basket out of the timeout. Yep. Then we already spoke about the five points he had in that little run. And then he hits the huge corner three from Giannis, uh, which, again, we already spoke about. Giannis was probably well within his rights to just go get to the foul line uh, or score himself. He trusts his teammate, which we know he does with Chris. Chris knocks down the three, and the Bucks are up five all of a sudden. And you can very easily forget the first three quarters when he has eight uh, eight points in the, in the key run that essentially wins the game. So, uh, look, Middleton's been doing that for years. He's a guy that you know you can trust to hit a big shot. And he was bad. And there's no way to, you know, I mean, no one's trying to deny that. Uh, he, he took some bad shots. I think he hesitated on some that probably would have been a good shot and turned it, like, by his own hesitation, turned yeah. it into a bad shot. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you just can't deny when the game was on the line late. Uh, if he doesn't make those shots, the Bucks probably aren't winning the game, no matter what Giannis is doing. Giannis needed someone else, and, and Middleton was that guy tonight. And, strangely enough, I didn't get many tweets about blood so tonight. <laughs> I, I wonder what it is. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird how that happens. Um, <laughs> but that's going to be it for us for tonight. Giannis was insane absolutely incredible if you're looking for mvp performances that one but that one do you create a resume i don't know if you create an mvp resume i don't know if you create an mvp highlight uh film but that one should go damn near the top because it was everything that everyone says he can't do um Oh, you, you know, at the end of the game, you can't trust him because he can't hit free throws. Well, he was 9 of 10 from the free throw line. You, know, you can't trust him because he can't close out games. Well, he hits a 9-foot hook shot uh, that was highly contested, and he created himself. He created shots for everyone else. He created good looks. He took his own looks. He dunked on people. You packed the paint. No one packs the paint better than the Indiana Pacers, and he still managed to go through them and finish the game and win the game for the Bucks. So um, everything that you claim Giannis can't do, he did in that game and told everyone that I am very much the MVP. And again, maybe you don't want to believe it, but I do everything for my team, and I'm very, very good at my job. And also... No one can defend me. So stop saying Thaddeus Young can defend <laughs> me. So that is going to be it for us for tonight. 106-97. Bucks win. Go into the All-Star break with the best record in the league. Seems pretty clean. Seems uh, seems like a, a nice thing for the Bucks to have. I'm not 100% sure how we're going to podcast through the weekend. All-Star game reaction. I don't know if we'll do a little bit of All-Star weekend preview. Uh, but we can figure that out between Frank and I. Uh, Kane, thank you once again for filling in. I'm very appreciative of it. And hopefully uh, our ride home is so much better than all the rides we've taken thus far. Yeah, I, I would take a you know a simple four-hour trip home. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean I'm cool with hotels, but I, I probably don't need to be in one tomorrow night. No, I'd prefer not to. That that would be great. So, uh, for Kane Pittman, for Frank Madden, for Eric Name, this has been Locked On Bucks. We will talk to you guys tomorrow. Bucks win 106 97.